Hello, and welcome back to Big Gay Nerds Plays Blades in the Dark. Uh, we are rapidly approaching the finale, and this will be the beginning of the final score of our entire time playing this game. Oh uh, I'm Saturn, they, them. Uh, you can find me at Celestial Mecca on Twitter and Tumblr, and I'm <clears> the one who's GMing this. And to start off, let's go with Owen first. I am Owen founder and director of Big Gay Nerds. I play uh, Franz Blondie Drakentoten, the cutter. Um, and I'm also nervous about this. <laughs> <laughs> um, next, we're going to go with Levi. Okay, I'm Levi, frequent contributor to the show. I've run D&D, uh, Worldwide Wrestling, and Warhammer Fantasy. In this game, I play Christoph Skora, crime name of Flint, the leech. He tinkers and does alchemical things and gets in knife fights. Radical. Uh, next up, let's continue in order of character seniority. So let's go Sarah. Oh, nice. <laughs> hey. uh, hi, I'm Sarah. She, her. I play Thalia, the shade. Um... You can find me at Radio Inactivity on Twitter. I also co-host another podcast with my best friend where we talk about nerd shit. It's called The Gorge. Thanks. And last but certainly not least, Fern. Hello, it is me, Fern. Uh, pronouns are he, him, and uh, my uh, character that I'm playing is Ira Silver Glasgow, and... Um, they are the slide playbook and they've never done anything wrong in their entire life. Never. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to skip the usual last time on, uh, last time on we did downtime. You should probably go listen to it as well as the rest of the blades in the dark series. If you are somehow, if you somehow got this far or got to this episode, uh, definitely don't start with this one anyway. <laughs> uh, so, uh, to take sort of the uh, usual PBTA stylings of this. We're going to talk about it a little bit in show framing here. Uh, the camera, for the first time in a long time, is giving us sort of a uh, sort of elevated kind of view of Duskval proper. And it's it's the early morning as far as you have it. It's a time of day uh, colloquially called the orange hour when the shattered remains of the sun kind of crest over the horizon, and for a brief few minutes, uh, the the last remaining dregs of its light of its light kind of cast the city in this sort of dim orange glow, like candlelight almost. Mm -hmm. And morning mm -hmm. fog is rolling in from the inky sea north of town. And we focus in on the Gadok Rail Station, which is far to the east of town. I think from the shot it would be like, very center frame, uh, kind of on the opposite end of the city. And so we zoom in there. Uh, inside of the Gaddock Rail Station, we have something that looks a lot like you would expect a train station or a metro station to look like, you know. It's got the tall ceilings, tile floors, lots of people who are moving around in big crowds. And for, for Gaddock Rail Station, it's not usual to see people, or not unusual, rather, to see people piling into small trains that are going off to different parts of the Imperial mainland to go on their day trips or whatever else. But there's one train, uh, much bigger than the others, about double the length and double the height, appropriately enough, uh, that's loading up for the first time in a month. 
Uh, and it's the train that only leaves the station once a month because it only comes back once a month. It's called the Heaven Sent, and it's the biggest. It's probably the biggest train in the entirety of the Imperial fleet. Uh, around it, it's sort of silvery, uh, whiskered exterior. Uh, a crowd of folks are pouring in through the open doors of the embarkment car. Uh, the passengers, they're, they come in all shapes, colors, sizes, ancestries, and wealth levels ranging from somewhat wealthy to disgustingly wealthy. Uh, <laughs> the, it's, the train's huge, and they're all going in, and even though it's only just barely light out, uh, like coming in through the windows of the station, uh, there's still a very warm, bright light coming from the inside of the train, from its own electroplasmic lighting. At the back of this crowd of people who are all coming in, is Thalia. She's pushing her husband, Rosalind, in a fairly sturdy-looking wheelchair with some medical accoutrement in tow. Uh, Franz, and, Franz and Red Jockey... Red Jackie, actually, excuse me. Jackie! <laughs> uh, sorry. Uh, they're also following, uh, both carrying a bunch of luggage under each arm, uh, presumably theirs, and then also Rosalind's and uh, Thalia's as well. Uh, away from where this is happening, nearer to the front of the train, Ira is chatting with a large uh, Tykerosi person wearing a very colorful cap, uh, very tall, very, you know, uh, roundish, beefy, uh, looks sort of like a narwhal almost, actually, but with the uh, horn kind of uh, cropped off uh, near the base. And they're chatting a bit, can't really make out what's being said, apparently laughing, and after a while, they enter the train through an exterior door labeled A minor. After a few, and on the opposite side of the train, uh, a rail yard worker with a Scovland Forever tattoo on his neck <laughs> is helping Kristoff <laughs> climb into the mostly open air observation deck of the B car. Kristoff, with some scuttling, is able to just make it in and w with some effort, and is very nearly conked in the head by his own luggage being thrown up from behind him. <laughs> Luckily, though, he's fine. The crew. Uh, in this case, the crew being the resurrectionists, not the crew of the train, all know where they're meeting up. It's Suite 12 on the sea car, the one that Ira helped them uh, get access to. Soon, when all these passengers are seated and everything's settled, the train will embark for Grand Tykeria, the capital of the Imperial Colony of Tykeros. And we cut briefly. Back to Six Towers, to a park overlooking a river. A coven of witches is helping their newest inductee, who's a fairly young girl with gang tattoos under her eyes, make mm. contact with some ghosts. And a respectful distance away, maybe 50 feet-ish, Arden and Amaranth are just sitting on the cold ground, watching it all happen. Amaranth, though, is looking past the ritual, across the winding length of the river, across town to the distant silhouette of Gaddock Rail Station, where a large, whiskered train is slowly making its way out of the station. In a few minutes, it'll cross the threshold of the electroplasm gates and not be seen again for a while. There they go. She whispers softly to herself. She's quiet for a few moments and she watches the train as it moves. Its name, painted matte in huge stately letters, Heaven Sent, stands stark black against its glowing exterior, lit up by the electroplasm walls shining off of its reflective metal shell. Even half a town away, it's still perfectly legible. Mm. And she says, I was finally getting used to being a resurrectionist. <laughs> what about wow. you? Well, I never tried to settle in with anyone for too long. Not until now. And she yeah. kind of looks over at the uh, the coven 
and settles back on her palms. Frankly, I thought she would kick me to the curb if I had to be honest with you. How's how's that been like going? Uh, I haven't wanted to ask because I'm there. I mean, I didn't leave on great terms either. I'm glad they're letting me hang around, but uh, you know, still well, still giving it an effort. Giving it an effort. It's a bit tense, which I can't blame her for that. All things considered. Um, but, well, she hasn't poisoned me in my sleep yet, so I'm gonna take it as a win. (laughs) (laughs) I guess sometimes it's the best you can ask for. As long as I'm not dead. (laughs) Hey, we're not. That's pretty good. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've, Cobb's helping me try and get the the other stuff legitimate, you know, and Mm. I don't know. It's weird. I, there's part of me that's like happy about all this you know like i got as far as things as far as everything goes like i got out of the game pretty quick mm-hmm. have you know gonna be running real businesses and being able to do things the way you know people do them but i'm still normal just, people yeah i mean nothing wrong <laughs> with that like for aside from uh, and then she gestures sort of at the ritual happening <laughs> aside from all this i mean we generally do things pretty normal for the most part but, and she looks over again at the train that's kind of starting at this point to make its way through the the walls, the electroplasm walls. And she's like, I don't know. It's weird that, it's weird to be here without everyone else being here too. It's weird to be the ones left behind. Yeah. Wow. So... <laughs> Arden. Yeah. It's time to retire Arden. Oh, no. <laughs> so I'm going to real quick, because I forgot to pull this up. It's on page 43. We're going to go over the rules of retirement pretty briefly. Uh. Normally, you wouldn't retire a character unless they, you know, marked their final trauma and, mm. like, they can't do crime anymore. But for your purposes, uh, you've gotten out of the game. You're going to, presumably, I can't speak for Arden, really, uh, for the foreseeable future, do your best to do right by Lizette and try Mm. and make things work. Sure. So, there's really only one mechanic in mind for stash and retirement, Mm -hmm. which is your stash, appropriately Uh. enough. The amount of stash that you have when your character retires uh, indicates how well off the remainder of their life goes more or less okay so to go over uh all the options uh the maximum stash you can have is 40 if you have a full 40 stash just completely maxed out you retire to a well-appointed home or apartment claiming a few luxuries you might even operate a medium business at stash 21 to 39 it's modest a simple home or apartment with some small comforts maybe you operate a tavern or a small business At stash 11 to 20, it's meager. A tiny hovel that you can call your own. Not much else. At stash 0 to 10, (laughs) uh, the as-written description here is, you end up in the gutter, awash in vice and misery. Oh, don't tell me that. (laughs) So, Arden, tragically, uh, only has three stash. Oh, no. (laughs) Which would put her kind of in the poorhouse, so to speak, except that it's not really even 
much of a house, uh, technically. But what I will say is, considering that you're currently in in questionable, maybe good standing with Lizette, and then also still affiliated with Amaranth, who's trying to get a business started herself, why don't you tell me, just in brief, we can probably go over this in greater detail uh, later, but what's the trajectory of Arden's life from here? Hmm. I think... Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, oh, that's hard. Um, I'm starting you off with a hard one to to let you guys know that you're going to have to do this again at the end of the heist. Oh, you bastard. Um, I think for Arden, who is kind of um, an adrenaline junkie who, who, do, who did the whole resurrectionist thing for... Um, very selfish reasons of just wanting to have a good time. Uh, it was... It's hard to quit and uh, just go and be, like, the good girlfriend. Um, mm-hmm. But I think she does make an effort of it, if only to not end up in the gutter dead somewhere. Um... <laughs> But I think the the um, compromise that's reached is that Arden uh, either convinces or basically begs to be the um, like the the I guess the bouncer the guard for the legitimate version of the the gambling house. Oh, oh, because yeah. I mean Arden. Arden isn't good at a lot of things except hurting people. (laughs) Arden is extremely good at hurting people. And she really has no other marketable skills, which is why, like, that character was only ever played as someone who would just, you know, leave bloody smears all over any heist. Uh, Mm. So it's like, you know, this is the easiest way to kind of make it uh, and not end up in the gutter, and still not, you know, uh, end up kicked out of Lisette's apartment yet again for yeah. doing crimes. So, you know, it stay- I- keeps it stays exciting. It's um, it's money, not great money, but it's money. Um, and I think, as far as the uh, rest of the crew staying there, by which I mean Amaranth and Cobb mostly, uh, I'm. I believe I said as much, but uh, if I didn't on air, uh, as I'm just going to repeat it here, uh, Johnny didn't make it. Yeah. Oh. And I believe I said as much on air, but mm-hmm. uh, if I didn't, if it somehow escaped me, uh, he un- tragically succumbed to his wounds. But mm-hmm. the rest of them, for everyone who made it, uh, there's the, the, the brief glint of hope, at least for the immediate future, of a life just trying to make it as normal kinds of crooks instead of, you know, uh, fucking daredevils with death wishes. Right. So, I actually think before we cut away from the scene, there's a part where the camera kind of pans back, like, behind uh, Amaranth and Arden who are talking, and there's just, like, on the ground, like, a good, like, 20, 30 feet behind them, there's a, uh, and there's a uniformed uh, enemy without number, 
assassin who is just laying dead on the ground with Arden's sword stuck through his chest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, man, that's what Arden does. You know, it's like, this is the easiest way, I think, to satisfy... Um, I mean, frankly, that kind of killer instinct and not be just like a sociopath who's murdering people for spare change. Uh, yeah. It's it's to actually kind of be the heavy at this at this little rundown gambling parlor. Um, it'll always it'll always be a life on the edge vis-a-vis uh, your personal like wealth and ability to take care of yourself, but at right. least you have some company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least it's not miserably and alone. You're not dead somewhere in a gutter by yourself. So, yeah. you know, that's good. So, with that scene sort of wrapped, uh, we are we cut back and we're inside, uh, like was briefly described, uh, a train cabin. Uh, it's not it's not super uh, fancy or anything, but it's like a nice like I don't know what you'd say the dimensions of it are, but it's got uh, it's got two beds that are both big enough for two people to squeeze on it's got a couch table it's kind of like it's almost like a modest hotel room in size because it's a modest hotel room essentially and in this room where all four of you and red jackie are plus uh (laughs) husband who has been moved onto a bed to kind of writhe around in his uh fighting off infection delirium state uh while hooked up to some you know IVs or something of, of that nature. Uh, you're all just kind of sitting around, basically. You've got your stuff all packed away. You've got information, like like basically the the map, essentially that I gave you, and something of that, like things of that nature, all kind of laid out. Uh, <clears throat> and you're gathered around. Uh, where did I put this? And well, and it's implied that some conversation has been taking place, and so. Jackie uh, chips up. This. So, to recap, Faunus Frog Girl, kick her ass, take mm. a rock, keep it low pro, and we vacate in tikes, and we vacate in the tikes for a spell. Is that uh, is that what the plan's supposed to be? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's more or less it. Also, I don't think you were when you discussed it. We do have a different magic stone on hand. It might talk to you. Don't listen to it. Oh no! I've 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 been around for for that, and then she actually points, and the magic <laughs> stone is sitting on the map that didn't have something on it a moment ago. Oh god! It's already getting on things. It's like a dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, I regret to inform you, I'm not going to be of much assistance aside from what we s- described earlier. The warding magic in this train, and presumably from Adelaide herself has rendered me effectively blind here. Oh, you know what? I don't mind that at all. That's good, actually. I There is something I can do for you, though. Uh, and it kind of, like, it shakes a little bit, and then stops, and then just continues. I would appreciate if you all took a petal from this stone and placed it somewhere on your person. Petal? It's, it's it a rosebud. like a rose. Oh! Mm. Oh! Oh um, man! Nothing about the way it looks has changed, but it is—it is inviting you to do this. Uh, well, Ira why? takes one. 
<laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, despite the fact that, like, if you have touched this thing before, like, it looks like a solid rock, the petal peels off effortlessly. It's like, it's not, it's, it doesn't even require any force. It just comes off. Ira puts, puts the petal in their breast pocket and just pats it and is like, what's wrong, you guys? <laughs> So, like, Flint looks them, like, up and down and is like, so, how do you feel? The same? No, brain-wise. Yeah, you, you feel the same. The same. Mm. Uh, the, the Azure Rose chips in. It's like, uh, while I won't be able to provide you any of the uh, scrying potential that I would normally be able to, this should at least enable you to... How do I put this? To use me as a relay of sorts for non-specific communication of ideas or feelings. Oh! And what this is, what this is, uh, mechanically, is that it gives you a limited ability to kind of uh, know what your player knows vis-a-vis, like, what other people are doing in different cars. Not, like, super... Not not with any specific degree, but, like, you would be able to tell, like, if someone feels they're in a bad situation or something like that. Cool. Okay, yeah, then I'm definitely gonna take one. Yeah, Thalia does too. Yeah, Flint will take one and put it in his, like, uh, breast pocket. Outside of that, Flint is uh, trying to not appear like a like poor Scovlin revolutionary. <laughs> Ira so he's like, like a suit, Like a suit jacket, dress pants, shiny shoes. Nice. And he's been like, I have been working on ridiculous imperialist accent. <laughs> <laughs> what is up, my droogs? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, you nailed it. Absolutely. That's that's completely what they all sound like. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, and I will say, actually, uh, because there is a mechanic in here that indicates the amount of stash you have is a pretty good, like, as far as how many bars you have filled, is a pretty good indicator of, like, your day-to-day life, like, quality of living. Mm-hmm. That for most of you, having made the jump to one full bar, you can actually, like, you don't have to be like, oh yeah, I got some fancy clothes. Like, and that be a thing that you did. Like, you've been able to just, like, passively, like, just talk away. Just shopping. And, like, yeah. You were able yeah. to get some clothes that look not, that look not, uh, working class, let's say. <laughs> right. This, I'm working so class proud in this, of in this all Victorian, of you. In this Victorian industrialist hellhole. Right. Look at me. I have people that work for me. Well, Blondie <laughs> has not done that, is the thing. Um, so I'm going to say that maybe he managed to grab some of the stuff that he had, like, been trying on at Frog's Fineries. <laughs> yeah, so I think yeah. for, for, like, uh, Flint specific, for so, like, for Flint, it's, like, it's probably not a fancy suit, and it probably doesn't fit great, but it's a suit that mm-hmm. looks like you are intended to be wearing it. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for Blondie, it very much looks like you're just kind of like, oh, here's some shit. <laughs> <laughs> I might fit in this. <laughs> this I is, am awkwardly is... mobile. <laughs> <laughs> I want to believe that this is just Flint talking to himself. <laughs> like, while the rest of pra- us are looking like... Flint is being... He's got to practice or for there. He's just practicing. <laughs> My name is Flint, and I am a normal, functional member of society. Hello, I am Christopher. (laughs) Uh, I I think Ira might be messing with Blondie's uh, like outfit, trying to make it look decent. Okay, so so 
I guess we should go over briefly the what I'm going to do here is go over the actual like mechanics and situation basically mm-hmm. that's happening. And then after that, I'm going to have y'all talk about the moves that you got specifically for this heist that I mentioned. Yay! So, here's the situation. First, this is your last shot at getting revenge against Adelaide, who fucked you over by getting you to go do a super dangerous heist for her, her and then basically hiring someone to try and slowly and covertly eliminate you. Uh, um, this is, as far as you know, your last chance at getting her. Also, probably your last chance to get back the Sun Shard, which, for what, which, by the way, A, you still are allowed to, technically, you are still owed answers about what that is, with any of you want to ask them at any point. Mm. Um, And B, uh, you don't know what it's actually worth, or like how you would sell it, or how you would use it, but you know at the very least that it's valuable enough to uh, warrant all of, to warrant the giant imperial bounty that includes your deaths in it. Mm. So, the second, as I've hinted at, is that the Azure Rose will be of limited assistance. Adelaide's own, like, anti-scrying magic is is enough to, like, blot her out from its vision in a distance, but this train has some of its own applied to the very fancy Palazzo car, and there may even be other sources of this as well, but you don't know for sure. The third, and this is just like, some of this is just sort of to set the stakes for the, or not the stakes, but the conditions of the heist itself. She's probably not literally invisible, because it would be very uh, expensive (laughs) and difficult to maintain something like that for three entire days. But Adelaide is probably disguised. You Mm. only know that she has a ticket, you don't know what car she has a ticket for. However... You do know from the Azure Rose that she does have to refresh the ritual that she uses to hide herself and the Sun Shard on a daily basis. So she probably moves around, at least Mm. here and there. The fourth point, Sun Shard might not actually be on her person. It could be, but it isn't necessarily, because the ward can be maintained even if she's not holding it. So she might be storing it somewhere when she's not actually interacting with it. Five. As I mentioned earlier, you all still have massive imperial bounties on your heads. <laughs> None of yeah. the imperial troops who were stationed out, like, in Gaddock Rail Station and who are in the train as you uh, appear to be passing in, and there's only, like, a handful, but none of them, like, like looked at your faces and there was a flash of recognition or anything, so you mm-hmm. figure the troops, at least, probably aren't keyed in, but it is very likely that someone from, from the enemy without or maybe other factions, who's to say, are on the train and might even, if they don't know you're here already, might be able to find out. The sixth and final point of the circumstance, the train does not have lifeboats or other avenues of egress. Mm. It is traveling at considerable speed over an electrified rail bridge, standing solitarily over an inky, over an inky black demon-infested ocean. <laughs> there is no escape route. <laughs> oh, boy. If you are... By, I am I hope that you get the train there in one piece and that you're able to get out because it is going to be, there's not a, really any way on the train that you will be able to use to just sort of like swoose out. Right. So, as for the heist itself, as I've mentioned before, this is going to be a three-day trip. Uh, it is effectively beginning in a moment here. Um, 
Well, by default, the situation is controlled because the train is just a train. Like, things are just happening. People are expected to be passengers on it and move around and everything. Um, and while things are controlled, each action passes time. So, a day is an eight-tick clock. There are three of these ticks are the early day, three of these are the later day, the final two are nighttime. Uh, every, whenever there's a tick of, of time, all four of you get to do something in it. And then once all four of you have acted, it moves to the next tick of time. At the end of all these three days of clock, that's the end of the heist, whether you've done what you wanted to do or not. Uh, train security is becomes more difficult at night. There's less, uh, like, normally in the controlled areas, there are, like, concierges who are just kind of watching around so they can help people. But at night, it's mostly, like, security cameras and or, like, patrolling troops who are just moving quietly and looking for, for ne'er-do-wells. Um, and also, the security personnel are more aggressive at night. If they catch you doing something suspicious, they will react with more hostility. Um, and as far as that goes, there's also a bunch of moves that you can do uh, and everything like that. I think it might actually be wise, instead of me reading all these out on air, that we give the names and descriptions for these when they come up, and otherwise just link this doc uh, when we put up the episode, maybe. Mm. Uh, I, might, I might take the clocks off, not to spoil anything. Right. Um, but yeah, so that might be wise. But that is the situation. And if you're listening to this, uh, and you are, it would be probably a good idea to bring up the Tumblr, maybe, uh, because there's an image associated that has a map of the train. It is, I believe, what's this? It's eight car, it's eight double-decker cars. So it's basically 16 sort of distinct areas. All have different security levels. Uh, you're in C major. It's the fourth car and the top floor of the fourth car right now. Um, and with that, I think that's the setup. Find Adelaide, find the Sunstone, do it in three days, and try and get out alive. All right. Uh, before we start, I do got to say, um, you have knocked it out of the park again Absolutely. with like, the visual aids <laughs> yeah. here. Um, <laughs> every, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know that the spirit of the spirit of this game specifically, I know, is supposed to be a little more improv, but I find for the radio stuff, taking a more sort of uh, traditional GM approach mm. and trying to prepare some visuals and the maps ahead of time really helps. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see how it comes out on air, but yeah. And yeah. Hey, we got we got through all that in half an hour, which is actually a little quicker than I expected. So. <laughs> yeah, we did good. Yeah. yeah. Do we want to read our, um, yes. our, new, so, our new moves? As I mentioned, uh, I gave everybody new moves. These are specific to the heist, or they have abilities that are relevant in some way or another. Um, and I have given Thalia two of them, because Thalia was behind in moves for whatever reason. Um, yeah, so uh, let's start in the order I have these sheets up. Let's start with Blondie. Okay, um, you gave me... Survivor's Guilt. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, also, I didn't put the flavor text in here because it was would have been weird format, so I'll just go ahead and read it off from the document I have sure. that has uh, the other secret stuff in it. Mm-hmm. There's a thought you can't shake. Why'd she die? Why didn't you? What if it didn't have to be like this? And that's the flavor text for that move. <laughs> yes, and mechanically it is when you take stress, your next move has greater effect. When you take harm, your next move is more successful. When you take, If you take trauma, clear all stress and replace this move with, in brackets, redacted, the color of <laughs> tears. 
<laughs> if you so take cool. enough harm to die, clear all harm and replace this move with Redacted, the color of blood. I appreciate the death metal vocalization on the Redacted stamps. <laughs> <laughs> Song- Next. Yeah. Oh. I'm very much looking forward to seeing how either of these things are solved. I know, I'm terrified. So I'm not going to... Basically, the way this works is, Blondie, you uh, are rewarded for going aggro, and you effectively have free extra lives, but what those free extra lives come like will do is... uh, (laughs) Who's to say? Anyone's (laughs) guess. Anyone's guess, really. Uh, Only I know, and it's a secret I threaten you with constantly. Um... Next, let's continue the order we did introductions with Flint. How about yours? Okay, so I wound up getting a move called a White Winter Hymnal. Yes. And oh, right, tell? the slave text for that. Yeah, uh, I yeah go ahead. Uh, I have two different Google Docs open, and so I'm <laughs> clicking between them. Uh, the flavor text for this one. The Unity War taught you many things best left forgotten. There's a few tricks you can afford to remember, though. All right, so uh, what it does is when I spend time to use Physiker, I don't have to roll. I instead uh, fill the healing clock before I'm healing instantly and clear one stress. Nice. I see it also allows me to uh, tend to Rosalyn. Yes, so that's uh, one of the moves on here. So Rosalyn is in, you know, laid up, and you'll. it's assumed that you'll do some, you know, changing of bandages or whatever whenever time permits normally but if you want you can actually do a proper like full eval adjustment of of treatment kind of thing once per day and it will recover a lot more stress than you would normally from just uh treating someone else's wounds okay also there's a third thing (laughs) yeah the mysterious part is at any part during the second day you can mark your special armor to invoke sweet winter's help if you do, this move gains the effect redacted the red verse. If you don't, the move gains the effect redacted the gray verse. Mm-hmm. And basically what this is, and I'll say this as like sort of flashback, like as if from sort of process of talking about with of talking with Vasily and kind of figuring out what we can do to help you and the degree to which you would have informed him about what you're doing. Uh, mm-hmm. he had an idea and proceeded to go off grid. And all he did <laughs> no. is he is he left you with, with a rock, another strange rock, and says, when I'm coming, you'll know. And that's all you know. And the way this works is less like, it's not leave. It's not a Flint specifically being like, all right, time to call in the cavalry. It's when you spend the special armor to invoke this, it is when Flint finds out that help is coming. Oh. Oh, boy. Right. So basically, it's at any point during the second day, help can arrive. And it doesn't have to arrive. And if it doesn't, the move will, will change differently. But okay. that's just something that you have in, as sort of a uh, trump card that you can deploy, essentially. Um, next, uh, in continuing with the seniority order, let's go with Thalia. Hey. You got uh, two, so-, so give me the first one. Okay. So the first one is called Return Trip. Okay. And the flavor text for that one, uh, where is it on the sheet? Here it is. Tychoros is a distant, is distant, hazy, an old memory. A mirage on the horizon. Better times. Once and again. So, you can use Consort to communicate with other Tykerosi in Tyke. They are friendlier to you by default, or at least less suspicious of you. 
The senior concierge, Natalie, has agreed to help you find Adelaide. At your request, she will act for you, so long as it wouldn't put her at risk. You also have the means of contacting her directly from the suite. So, as a description of the suite, as they described earlier, there is a thing I left out, which mm-hmm. you effectively have a uh, dial-up the help dial-up the service desk right. thing in there. Like it's not, it's probably like a very like antique style of phone. It's like, but obviously it's only for the train, and there's not, it's not really a widespread thing. But while most of the rooms just have generic numbers for what specific department of concierge you're trying to summon, whether it's like getting food delivered or getting someone to look at something, uh, you actually have a number to call Natalie, the senior concierge, directly. Okay. Um, and so the second move. The second move is called the Garden of Thorns. The flavor text for this one is, uh, a cage will always be a cage, but it is only a prison to the prisoner. You hold the key, only... What is the lock? So, your ritual, the cage, can be charged much more easily. It only takes a tick of time and one stress. If you use Tempest in your spectral form, its effect is increased and your form sustains automatically. If you fill the mystery clock, this move becomes redacted. Her. (laughs) Which is incredibly foreboding. (laughs) Yeah, and as a reminder to the listeners, uh, the mystery clock right now is at 5 of 8. Yeah, it's and, real close. And assuming uh, Thalia uses this and then or uses the thing and then at some point has to charge the the cage again, uh, she would be rolling three d six to figure out how much the clock ticks up, and then four. And oh then god! Probably not. I was gonna say then five d six, but probably statistically likely not. Not yeah, no. <laughs> Unlikely. Anyway. Okay. So. So last but not least is uh, Ira's special move. Yes, my uh, um, move is called All Aboard. The flavor text for this one uh, is crew names for you. The Affable Dandy. Ritz. (laughs) Sweet Roll. One-way ticket to Smoochros. This continues. (laughs) (laughs) So the uh, the crew aren't suspicious of you. When acting alone, you can enter and occupy risky areas as though you had a pass. The crew are also willing to cut you discounts, start a clock, party favors, with four ticks. You can tick this instead of spending stress to justify a flashback of a, if a crew member would have acquired or done something for you. Ooh. Also, if you have an addition, you Not have if, an additional. Yeah. Sorry. As I say, yeah. you you have an additional nighttime action. Most like there's two ticks of time, but you will get a you will get a third action instead of just your two. Mm. Yeah. And so if you finish the second day and still have favors left, clear them and this move becomes redacted bank. Mm. If you don't if you don't or if you reject that move, this move instead becomes redacted cash. And last but not least is the special move that I have uh, made for the game itself. Uh, at some at some point, I remember mentioning I would either do a custom move or let you pick one, and I just ended up going with the custom move anyway. Uh, it is called Azure Lazarus, and it is uh, this is actually from I guess I should do this in the in the Azure Rose voice. Refinancing a life is not my trade exactly, but I can make some calls. For your sake, hope I don't have to make any. So. What this does for the Resurrectionists is... What have I done here? The Azure Rose can cut a deal with one of its associates to allow you to cheat death. Only one of you 
and only once. The dark will claim its due. If every player makes it to the third day without dying, this move becomes redacted. Die. If any of you have had to use the Azure Roses line of credit, this move instead becomes redacted. Live. Oh. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Exciting. Okay. <laughs> so. Oh, boy. That's the sandbox, and that's the tools that you have at your disposal, aside from the moves that are going to be described as we come to them. So, with your first tick of time, who has things they want to do? I actually have something simple in mind, so I figure that's a good way to start. Absolutely. Okay, so the very first move you have on this list of like special tick moves is uh, work. Um, general yes. catch-all action, describe what you're trying to accomplish, how you're going to accomplish it, and roll accordingly. Things that just take time and a roll include short actions like slipping into a secure area, gathering info, manipulating NPCs, and so on. Depending on the complexity of the action, you may start slash progress a clock rather than simply doing the thing. Work complex enough for clocks might include things like getting legitimate access to a risky area, pursuing a lead, covertly foiling security, sabotaging the train, and so on. Sure. So, what do you want to do? So, we're trying to track down Adelaide, right? Yes. Um, Yep. And this is going to be a whole process, and it's not like there's just a track down Adelaide role. Um, so I figure um, Blondie has got a good prowl stat, and so what he is going to do is that he's just going to go out for like a bit of a stroll down the length of the train and just go everywhere he's allowed to go and, and like scope things out in general, and I guess... <clears throat> and I and prowl technically is maybe not the best thing for this, but basically what I'm thinking is just moving around inconspicuously, despite being huge and despite trying to, you know, get the lay of the land in the process. Yeah, sure, that sounds great to me. So let's go ahead and call that a uh, you know standard controlled because you are going to be mostly running around the controlled areas okay, because that's then. what you have immediate access to. <laughs> okay then. Um, no bonus dice. Oh, um, wait, no, I, I, I hit the wrong button. Hold on one moment. I hit prowess instead of prowl. Um, oh, <laughs> I was like, damn, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so controlled standard, you said? Yep. Okay. And I got three oh, twos. A twos bunch of twos. Board. Wow. So, obviously it's controlled, so it's not like there's a huge consequence or anything, and I think... The thing here is mostly that, like, you get a lay of the land. Um, the of the cars you have access to, it's you have the entirety of the A car, entirety of the B car, entirety of the C car, and then uh, D minor and E minor is mostly it. So uh, obviously you came in through E minor, and it's the it's the embarkment car. There's uh, it's just where the bulk of people are let in. It has multiple exterior doors, some seating, and there's like a small gift shop with some souvenirs in it. But aside from that, it's pretty empty. Uh, there's also like, uh, you see, there's a there's a troop who stands guard in there, who's just kind of mm-hmm. like eyeballing you, but doesn't think too much of it. It's apparent you you would know at least. Uh, it's pretty usual for uh, quote unquote yokels to uh, wander around the train when it's their first time on it. Most mm-hmm. of the people who are more seasoned will spend most of the day just sitting in the chair reading because there's 
there's like food and stuff, but it's not like there's a ton of entertaining things to do with your time. Uh, but yeah, so you do that. Uh, there's D minor, which is just gold coach. Uh, it's some nicer, like kind of breakfast nook style seating almost, but they have like these curtains drawn over them. So you mm-hmm. can't really see who's sitting in them. Uh, silver coach is D is C minor, which is just where a bunch of people are sitting in like, I think these, uh, two seat rows that you would know, uh, actually kind of telescope into a bunk bed situation at night it's really weird uh Mm. c major is where your room is obviously uh there's a bunch of other suites that are basically identical to yours uh in the b car you have the restaurant and the lounge so the restaurant on the bottom floor is just some eating and food and coffee options and on top floor there's some drinks and some gambling though it's actually like basically dead empty this time of day Mm. uh in a car uh, you have the observation deck on top, which is just kind of like a false garden. There's lots of fake plants there, and it's kind of it's open air actually, which is surprising. But it's well, it's like got it's well protected. The train itself is well protected by its electroplasm whiskers that are on the outside. And then at A minor is the concierge, and there's just a lot of concierge staff who are kind of you know milling about, doing work, talking to people. Uh, you do notice uh, that. Thalia's contact, Natalie Braun, is fielding some conversation at the desk right now, but otherwise nothing here is is particularly uh, insightful. And so I think the thing here is, like, obviously you take all that in, but it's nothing that you can really do anything with. Uh, You're looking around for interesting things or things to notice, but it's just... It it really, at this early especially, like, you're probably not even over the sea yet. You're probably still uh, rolling through the kind of north coast of Akaros before you leave the coast. Um, But it just seems like a really nice, pristine, kind of bougie place to hang out. (laughs) Well, you know what? That... That is honestly not bad by Blondie standards. If <laughs> this is like this is his vice right here, um, yeah. Actually, you're you're hanging out in a bougie place, which is uh, I think it's also part of it is like you're at such a like oh this is so nice that at some point you just stop actually like looking Working. for things or being covert, and you're just sort of very visibly by the end just sort of drinking it all in. Gotcha. Okay. So I gotta assume that like if I was like ticking a clock there, it would be less ticks yeah i'll say at least that it's like i'm trying to think if there's something you'd want to tick there actually because i feel like i should give you some progress on something but you weren't but i'm trying what i'm trying to do is like find adelaide but the thing is i forget whether or not we there is a real or secret clock about that so okay i should actually explain that because there is a real clock for it you know it is at zero of six but it is going to be it and finding the sun shard and then also obviously the train uh actually going are not clocks you can roll against they are progress clocks and the only way that you can add to them is by doing things that you think will help you do them so if you're going to try and figure out where adelaide is you might take steps to be like okay well who could adelaide be disguised as or what kind of seat or room would she be hiding in and trying to do things of that nature I would still be willing to, like, flavor this as something, so it's not just, like, wasted. But, you know. Right, yeah. Well, that's okay. Um, we can we can figure yeah. out the exact we, details later. We can figure it out. Uh, as I've said, uh, at least off-air, but I'll say now on-air, 
Uh, I am. This is very sandboxy. I'm just going to see how things how things play out. I am not planning a specific approach that you have to take necessarily. So, um, who else wants to act? I suppose while Blondie is. This is all happening happening contemporaneously. So Blondie is going to be walking around and looking at things while y'all are doing this. Um, okay. I I kind of want to do just a. It's a basic action. One of the ones that you have there, which is decompress. Uh, for oh my yeah, you first still have tons of, of stress, journey. don't you? What was that? <laughs> you still have tons. Oh, you only have one stress. Okay, but you yeah, do have I one have stress, a- so it's appropriate. I do have one stress. Just like clear it out. Um, just to, just so that we get a good start. So yeah. how uh, how are you spending this? I don't know. Block of approximately like one to two hours clearing your stress. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just making sure that like uh, like like clearing my head a little bit. Um, and I think. Ira being Ira would do that probably just like uh, hanging out and like joking around in the crew quarters. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. obviously the people who run the train, like they're, they are operating, everyone's all kind of operating on shifts. Mm-hmm. You would know, like there's usually an early morning shift, a late day shift, and then like kind of a night shift. And mm-hmm. people right now are operating on the early shift, but also means like a lot of people who work the later shifts are either sleeping in bunks or otherwise just sort of hanging around and enjoying some time off and mm-hmm. so yeah you do that and hang out and chat in the crew quarters a bit on a on a key major which is on mm-hmm. the, the the frontmost uh locomotive train and mm-hmm. uh yeah you recover one stress which is enough to bring you to zero stress yep nice nice Fl- nice nice flint or shade all right so I think what Flint's gonna do is go to the rest. Like, do we know what Adelaide? We know what Adelaide looks like generally, right? Yeah. Um. Why don't y'all tell me what she looks like? I don't think we ever described mm. her. Damn. Everyone, everyone, give me like a feature of hers that she has. Ooh. Oh. Um. <laughs> just based on whatever you would have imagined she looks like, just give me something from that. Long, sharp nose. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I actually kind of always, I guess, I don't know why, I just always pegged her as being, like, kind of tall and slender. Okay. Um, this is obviously something she would have changed it up, but I kind of like the idea of having a lot of hair that is very up, like, in the way that yeah. Victorian ladies do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. What color is the hair, Owen? Uh, I would say blonde, but my character is, like, distinct for having blonde hair, so, like... Red? There aren't... Red. Yeah, uh, yeah I was gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> what are you thinking, Levi? Um, hmm. If you don't have a specific Think, idea, that's probably enough to work what with. What about, like, but... uh, like, like, slender fingers, like a piano player? Oh. Excellent. So, mm. the, 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 uh, oh my god... Adelaide Frog, that you normally know, is a lady with, you know, long, slender fingers, uh, very tall, uh, sharp features, a uh, big, prominent nose, and very tall orange hair. Uh, and that's what she normally looks like, but, again, you don't really know to what extent she's been able to change her appearance, either through traditional means or through uh, arcane means. Mm. So, it's probably, her, the way, it, there's a chance that it won't help you much, but that's kind of who you have in mind. Okay, so my plan was is uh, Flint's gonna like get a book, go to the restaurant car, get some coffee, and sort of discreetly, like, just sort of like 
you know, keep an eye on everybody. See if anybody matches that profile or just like anybody stands out. You gonna people like a watch study a role? Yeah, people watch. Sure. Um, what would be good for that? That's probably a study, right? Or yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Okay. So let's go to the study. It's still gonna be controlled. Oh, it's... study or survey? Yeah. Uh oh. Let me pull your sheet. It's the same. That. It's the same dot either way. Yeah. So um, survey says survey location or situation, understand what's going on, sense trouble before it happens, gather information about opportunities. I think survey exploits. would probably be the one for this because study, I think, is more for specific things that you're trying to glean information from, whereas you're kind of canvassing right now a bit. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, so give me a survey, and we're gonna say it's controlled standard. Controlled standard. I'll go ahead and spend a stress since I have a lot of ways to get rid of that. Probably a good idea. So yeah, push myself, take two stress, and get an extra die. Okay. Well, hey, two five. Two five. So uh, what we'll say here is so you spend some time uh, while you actually at some point would notice uh, Blondie kind of uh, moseying around, uh, you know, uh, gazing. Um, but and that's you probably get a, a, some kind of kick out of that. I can't speak for Flint, obviously, but uh, but while you're people watching, you've you get a pretty good sense, at least, of who the people are who are moving around. Because you would have had to come down through, or you would have probably come down through, like, Silvercoach and everything to get here. And the thing that you notice about a lot of the people who are in Silvercoach and Goldcoach is that the most of them are actually just sort of, like, sitting, like, propping up with a book and spending their time that way. So it's actually, like, there's probably a couple hundred people on this train, but, like, you'd say it's probably a minority of them who are actually, like, moving around at any given moment and if you know to look that for at the very least you've been able to put some to like kind of gather some faces of people who are moving around and get it and like committing those to like could this be adelaide could this be adelaide there's some people who don't physically match the description but that's not necessarily going to be a you know a deal breaker you don't really know what she's capable of in that regard but we'll mm-hmm. go ahead and say because this will either be doing something or starting a clock. Um, you know, I'm mm-hmm. trying to think of how to pace this. Um, but I think we could at least say that we can call that. Uh, <laughs> what's that game? Uh, that board game where you ask for details about the person and you start guess who? Guess yeah, who? let's call let's call the third clock called guess who, and we're gonna mark that. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna mark gonna that. Hit? We're gonna mark that two of six. Nice. Okay. Or actually, no. Let's say three of six because uh, oh. get just get it rolling. But uh, so I'm gonna rate that. Guess who? Three of six. Cool. So yeah, that will be something that once you've completed, will probably help you locate Adelaide. Nice. All right. All okay. right. Last but not least is Thalia. My plan is to do work as well, I think. Right. In the form of, I'm actually going to already tick, because fortunately we do have seven uh, load. Like, we have, well, we've got a lot to work with. Well, so you, you will probably have light load, whatever your light load is. Otherwise, you'll be drawing suspicion. Okay. But you do have the option, and this is another move you can do, to basically go back to the room and spend time resetting. And that would basically be like, you can uh, and you can only do this twice for the entire heist for your character. Okay. But it would basically let you change what your load level is and also uh, clear any load that you've already spent. Okay, that's cool. 
So that's a thing um, you can do, but I will yep. say, like, unless, like, light will be the thing that lets you be really covert, whereas if you do medium or heavy, like, you are going to draw more suspicion when you act. Okay. Um, so what I'm going to do is take, you know, light load and click, uh, take documents. Mm-hmm. Uh, a collection of slim, this is what they list. Obviously, documents can be anything, but, um, yeah. a collection of slim volumes on a variety of topics, um... And I'm going to study, I want to think this idea that Thalia acquired books because she has a lot of resources to acquire books within an academic background, um, mm-hmm. books about the train and about mm. the kind of security systems that it actually has and knowledge about those security systems to maybe be able to, in the future, if we need to bypass something, have it be easier, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. So go ahead and give me a study with uh, same controlled standard. Okay. Most of your rules are for for this kind of activity are going to be controlled standard. Or actually, no. Let's say it would be uh, controlled great because you're using gear slot to do it, and that seems appropriate. Okay. Um. So yeah. Um, I've got three stress, but I have means of clearing stress. So I'm actually going to already do that because I feel like um we're gonna need this. <sighs> Three, mm. two, one. That's so. Oh my god, that's tragic. Yeah. Uh, well, it's controlled great. So, really, the issue that you're having as you go over these documents is that, like, you've obviously done a lot of prep work to, you know, have prepared the map that you have and the uh, everything else that you know, like the general personnel numbers, the vague notes on security, and you're going over it just looking for things that you've missed mostly. Mm-hmm. And you spend a bit of time just not really, like, not spotting immediately any information that you would have gleaned. Like, maybe there's something in there, like, two dots that you could have connected and didn't. Mm. But really, as going over it, you're just basically seeing the more detailed version of notes that you've already taken. Okay. Um, And let's still say that... Because it had great effect and controlled circumstance. Let's mm-hmm. still say at least this will be... Uh, let's call it Train Smarts. We're going to call this one <laughs> Train Smarts. And we're going to set it to... Let's give it a 2 of 6. Okay. I'll take it. Um, just to at least have some kind of... Because I figure... And this might help you do something. Yeah, exactly. It, 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 it's not it's not very clear whether it'll be for helping you find Adelaide or for finding the stone, but it'll help you do something. It'll it'll be helpful to help us move more easily through the train in the future, I feel like. That's right. And with that, we move through our first tick of time. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> oh god. Big Gay Nerds is made possible by our Patreon supporters. We would like to give special thanks to Alexander Messick, Calvin Cox, Evelyn Nadia DuPont, Frank L., Jack Toops, Jarnope, John the Book Hoarder, Lori Dean, MC Verdandi, Ollie, Patrick Moore, Thor Holmquist, and Trashy May. If you would like to join their ranks and gain access to special content, Simply visit us at patreon.com slash biggaynerds and donate at the Lauded Gay Nerds tier. If you'd like to support us for free, spread the word on social media. 
We're at Big Gay Nerds Cast on Twitter and just Big Gay Nerds on Tumblr and Facebook.